Welcome to Why Sew, the podcast where some of your favorite sewing personalities and rising stars share what motivates them to create using needle and thread. I'm your host, Jason Prater, and with me today is Liesl Gibson, clothing and pattern designer. And, you know, I'm super excited to get to speak with her today about why she sews. So, Liesl, welcome to the Why Sew podcast. How are you today? Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. I'm doing yeah. well. Yeah, thank you. You are the first guest that I've had the opportunity to interview that is not on American soil right now. So that's exciting. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Well, hey, <laughs> I, I'm sure some of our audience uh, listeners know who you are and, and probably are familiar with some of your brands, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so I have a background in apparel design. I have a degree from the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. Um, and I worked for a time for Ralph Lauren and for Jeffrey Bean, Tommy Hilfiger. And then when my daughter was born, 17 years ago, I started thinking about where my career was going next and ended up, long story short, ended up launching these sewing patterns uh, because I realized I was teaching sewing for a, for a store in New York and realized that most sewing patterns had been written with an assumption that the sewist had a base knowledge that mm. she maybe she had taken classes in school, you know, home ec, something like that. And my students were new to this. They had not had had any sort of sewing experience. They probably didn't have a mother or a grandmother who was able to teach them. And so I started writing patterns to be more accessible so that um, I broke down the instructions to explain step by step. Um, and I also didn't do any shortcuts. Like I think a lot of sewing patterns will, well, for example, if you sew trousers that have a, a zipper fly, so many trouser patterns at that time sort of skipped the traditional fly and just did like the easy, like the cheater fly. And I said, <laughs> well, I mean, if I can break down the instructions and make it so that you sew a real fly, you have this great sense of accomplishment. You've learned something in the process. And the next time you do it, you will have the, the confidence to, to carry on with it. So that's kind of how we launched. Yeah. I love that degree of, of detail that you seem to put in, <laughs> in your teaching and in your patterns. That's fantastic. So you, you were working as a clothing designer, but sort of just on the side teaching for like an independent a sewing machine dealer or was this uh, just a, a, a fabric shop? Uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was a yarn store actually on okay. Pearl Soho, which is quite oh, well yeah. known. I think a lot of people yeah. are familiar with it. So at the time they had just a very small store in Soho and um, the owner, Joelle, had recognized that women were, you know, they were learning how to knit and then they were saying, well, gee, if I can make a sweater, I bet I could make a skirt to go with that. So she said, you know what, there's another space just up the street. I'm going to open a fabric store here. And she, I was a friend, a client, and she approached me one day and said, would you be interested in teaching my sewing classes? So that was really how all of that happened. And at the time, because it was impossible, my husband was working, he was working full-time traveling uh, five to six days a week. It was impossible for me to continue working as a designer and have a child essentially on my own during the week. So I had left my job. I had taken basically a leave of absence. And then I just started teaching the classes on the side and 
as sometimes happens, this business idea sort of fell into my lap where I recognized that there was this need in the market that wasn't being served just because of my exposure to these students. And so then I approached Joelle and she loved the idea and I said, oh, let's go for it. So I wrote a business plan and off we went. Yeah. Fantastic. So (laughs) let's go back, I guess. Yeah. How would you describe yourself primarily? I mean, when you introduce yourself, is is it a a sewist, a sewer, a seamstress, tailor, quilter, crafter? I mean, (laughs) omni-crafter, which of those things fits with you? How do you identify primarily? That's really a tough question. I was just explaining that to someone today, actually. Um, I feel like I walk that fine line between between fashion and craft. Um, Mm. I think that... It's a little difficult, isn't it? Because fashionistas don't tend to sew. They tend to, mm. you know, be accumulators. They tend to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They they buy, you know, they want Collectors. to look cheap. They want to, <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're customers primarily. They're, they're stylists, they're customers. They're not so interested in the process of making something. And crafters in the sort of pejorative sense of the term, the, um, I had a, a professor at design school who would say uh, his phrase was um, loving hands at home. So this was sort of his like negative um, reference to, you know, something that you sew at home that looks like you sewed it at home. You know, it doesn't (laughs) look very well done. And I don't, I sort of walk the fine line in between that. I want you to make something that you're really proud of that looks professional and I think it's not that it's not that much more difficult if you just put, you know, if you if you have the skills, if you learn the skills and you put the effort into it, I think it's very doable. So that's kind of where I see myself, where I'm not quite in the fashion world and I'm not quite in the craft world. I'm sort of walking that line right in the middle. I, I love that explanation. I have so many, so many of the interviews that I've done, I've spoken with, you know, similar stories, people that start oh. out in a different world as as designers or in the art world or somewhere else, but, you know, maybe they have a sewing background and come into it, but they want a common thread, I guess, is that they want people, other people to be able to be successful with sewing, you know, whether that's quilting or sewing or embroidery or whatever the, the particular discipline is. And I can so relate to that. I'm a, I'm a home brewer and I, I see a lot of people enter that hobby and get immediately out because the first batch tastes terrible. You know, they don't understand it and they don't, you know, they think maybe it's going to be easy and they're just not into the craft of it, right? They're not into the process of it. If it it doesn't turn out so good, you have to drink a lot of beer before you can make the next batch. That's that's right. That's right. But you also have to sort of be interested in the process, right? So many of them are just craft beer drinkers which might be the fashionistas, right? (laughs) They want to drink the beer, but, you know, and they think "Ah, it'll be fun to make it until they do. And it's like, wait, that process is tough. And mm, the end result wasn't so good. So I I can so relate to that. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And the other thing that I often tell people when they, because people are so curious about what I do, you know, most of the, most of the references, if I say, oh, you know, I make sewing patterns. Oh, my grandma used to sew, you know, so it was just, there's always sort of that reference. But what I tell a lot of people is that I think of our customer as, I I think of our product as being sort of a luxury product because a lot of our customers are women who just don't have a lot of time. They, They maybe are a professional who's spending most of her day in front of a computer or they're a stay at home mom who's chasing around kids all day. And 
ultimately, I think at the end of the day, we just have this, many of us have this intense desire to make something tangible with our hands. And so whether that's knitting or cooking or sewing, you have this desire to have this accomplishment. And I know I had this when I was a stay-at-home mom as well. You know, you're cleaning up messes and changing diapers and some of the time it's bored out of your skull. But when you put the kid down to bed, then you sort of have this me time. And it's just nice to have this sense, this tangible sense of accomplishment at the end of the day. So I think of our patterns really as being, I want to enable our customers to be creative without having to start from scratch and deal with all of the, the nitty gritty of the, you know, fitting and the, just all of the development that they might have to do with a, with a pattern that maybe is, I don't know, with less instructions or just less thought out, you know, I really want to do the majority of the work for them so that when they sit down, they have the pleasure of making something mm. without the sense of frustration and yeah. without getting bogged down in the mud, you know? Absolutely. So, <laughs> so you were in the design world working for obviously some very large brands, but how, how did you get into sewing to begin with? Like what's your first memory personally of sewing? I mean, does, does design come before sewing or did sewing come before design? Oh, what, 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 take me back question. to the very beginning of your sewing journey. That's a great question. My mom sewed for me uh, from the very beginning and I'm the oldest of five girls. So I was the lucky one who had some say as to what my mom made, and then everyone else had to wear it. Uh, <laughs> it was done. Nice. <laughs> but she really she she involved me in the process. Um, I I spent a ridiculous amount of time in the fabric store with her. Um, you know, not always paying all that much attention. But as I got older and got more interested in clothing, my father was a professor, and there wasn't a lot of money for. Calvin Klein jeans when those came out and my mom would make this stuff for us. And she was incredibly clever and accomplished. And I think that as a result, I got this just sense of the opportunities out there. You know, it was such a creative outlet for me. I was telling my daughter yesterday that uh, the day before I graduated high school, I went to the fabric store and bought some fabric in a pattern and came home to my mom and said, can I, can you make this for me for graduation? And she said, of course not. Like you waited the day before. The very last <laughs> but to me, it was just like, like my mom can do anything. You know, I would, we'd look at a pattern and I'd say, well, I like this, but can you put a different collar on it? Or, and she would, she would do it. So for me, it was just this amazing creative opportunity and I was, I think I was designing, I remember I had a friend in third grade and we had a little notebook and we were designing stuff way back then. So wow. for me, it was just an amazing outlet. I didn't actually start sewing until I was, I think I was in college and my family was on vacation. I had stayed home for a summer job and I had watched my mom and asked a ton of questions, but I don't think I'd ever really sat down in front of a sewing machine. I went to the fabric store, bought the fabric box pattern sewed it up, had some questions for my mom when she came back. And that was kind of the start for me. So I was so, largely- so, so your first thing that. that you sewed, you sewed without your mother there. Without my mom. And that was intentional too, because I know that that mother and daughter dynamic, you know, is super easy <laughs> to get frustrated and take it out on your mom. And I didn't want to do that. And so I did it on my own. And my daughter is the same way. I remember I was doing a weekend workshop in New York years ago and 
my husband had a, he had to give a tour at a museum. And so he couldn't take her. So he dropped off our daughter at this workshop and we stuck her in front of a sewing machine and I was making the rounds and I walked over to her and asked, you know, how's it going, honey? And she said, don't give me any hints. <laughs> she just wanted to do it on her own. And I that's got it that's how I was. That is completely how I was. So I had the questions afterwards, but I did not want my mom sitting there because I knew that I would get frustrated yeah. and take it out on her. So, yeah. <laughs> so did, did that, did that ever evolve to a place where she could instruct you uh, oh, yeah. while doing and, and, and oh, yeah. would you consider Absolutely. her your primary teacher then? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I got married at 22 when we moved to Manhattan and I was working um, in publishing and couldn't afford any clothes. And so my grandmother had given me a, her old machine and I would call up my mom and say, I don't know how to do this. And my mom would send me books and, you know, she would pre-internet. So I had to learn everything either by asking my mom or from, from reading the books that she, she suggested. Um, and then at some point along the road, I decided that I was going to learn how to make patterns. So I went to the FIT bookstore and purchased a couple of books and took them home and realized that I was way over my head. So it was then at that point that I started thinking, oh, maybe, maybe fashion design school is something that I would really be interested in. And that's ultimately where I, I already had the sewing skills, but that's ultimately where I learned the pattern making. Ah, so you, that was kind of a a second education, if you will. Definitely, definitely. I was uh, almost 30 by the time I went back for a very intensive one-year program at FIT. I think it's the hardest I've ever worked in my life. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And just fashion, which was amazing illustration pattern making second semester in the morning pattern making first semester in the afternoon it was just insanity but I loved it so wow yeah and so how did like how did you go from that to saying well actually I'm going to start my own I'm going to start my own business I mean what what were all the steps in between there um so you know, before I went to fashion design school, I had worked in book publishing, and then I had worked in finance. So I had a lot of experience in corporate world. Um, You know, I was wearing a suit every day. I mean, it was a very structured environment. I was used to the spreadsheets, you know, all of that. And so then when I came, when I came out of fashion design school and was hired for Ralph Lauren, it felt super corporate again. Um, and we would do these presentations for, you know, Ralph would have his his minions who would have to, <laughs> we'd have to present the season to Ralph's brother and then to to Buffy and and everyone would sort of get their their approval. And it was creatively frustrating for me because by the time we were ready to release a season, it just felt as though all the soul had been sucked out of everything. Mm. You know, there was so much being safe there was so much uh, you know they would say well rather than this color palette let's go back into this color palette that was really successful three years ago and I'd mm. go, oh, like there's nothing fresh and new in that it's just the same old same old so that got really frustrating and I ended up leaving and going freelance for a while just because I wanted to see what else was out there so I worked for a variety of different companies I got to see a lot a lot of good yeah. a lot of bad just a lot and then it, ultimately I landed at Tommy where I had a lot more creative um, expression and my colleagues were lovely and super creative as well. And it was just a really good experience. But like I said, when then when my daughter was born, it was not possible for me to, mm. to keep working there. So I left. I was a stay-at-home mom 
really miss that camaraderie of my colleagues at at uh, at work. And so I started. I think I started blogging at that point, just to kind of okay. like, here's what I'm making, here's what I'm doing. And people started asking about these little dresses that I was making for my daughter. And a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, suggested the sewing pattern idea where, you know, most people would say, oh, you should be, you know, selling these dresses. And that just was not something I wanted to do. But the idea of doing sewing patterns felt way more interesting and ultimately turned out so to be such a great idea because it really, when we launched the company, a real community developed out of it that I never anticipated, but people from all over the world were just so excited about this and learning so much that um, they developed friendships with each other. And I developed friends all over the world. And that's just been an amazing opportunity. How cool is that? Were were you familiar with the, the sewing industry side at that point? Like had you been to consumer events uh, in your area or trade events or any kind of thing like that? No, my experience with the sewing industry was the sewing that my mom had done um, and then the sewing that I was doing. And interestingly enough, you know, I grew up going to like Joanne with my mom and there were some nice fabric stores in Madison, Wisconsin, where, where I grew up. So I, I was exposed to some some really nice fabric stores. But New York is very different than that because it really is it's an industry. So, mm. you know, you go to the fabric store there and they don't have the drawers of sewing patterns. They just, you know, they assume that you're a designer and you're going to mm. go and do your thing, basically. So that was an interesting um, revelation to me as well. And that's when I really realized that, you know, there was just so much creative potential there. And maybe it was good that I hadn't been exposed too much to the sewing community in general, because I don't, I don't know, I don't really feel like I fit into sort of the traditional structure of the sewing industry. Mm -hmm, I wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, a 4-H member. I'm, you know, it's just... (laughs) There, there was a time, well, I think it was right around the time that, that we launched our company, really. You know, when I was growing up, my mom sewed for us because we couldn't afford a lot of things and, and because it was just more economical for her to, to sew for us. The, and the traditional reasons for sewing. Yes. Totally, totally. Yeah. But there was, I think there, it sort of skipped a generation then because yeah. a lot of women felt that this was something they had to do. It was a requirement, you know, this was family economics, basically. And so then when women started working outside of the home, they really felt more empowered, and maybe felt that this wasn't something that they had to do anymore. So a lot of my first students, mothers didn't sew at all, they were buying production had moved overseas. And so it was a lot cheaper. I remember a time in, I think it was college when I was shopping with my mom, we were looking at an Esprit dress and my mom said, I can't even afford to make this, you know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's cheaper for me to just buy this for you than to make it. And, and ultimately I think that was a discouragement for a lot of people to sew, you know, you can go to Zara or an H and M and, or, or target and buy something for less than it would cost you to sew. But now it's sort of come full circle and now sewing is really about creative expression. It's not about saving money. It's not about, you know, about having to do it because, because this is how a home runs. Right. It's really about what can you make for the pleasure of making, basically. Yeah. yeah. Let's switch gears on you a little bit. What, yeah. what, what, what do you like to sew? Like if you just have time to spend sewing, what what's the first thing you would just want to do if you just had some spare time and were 
feeling the need to create something. What what is it that you like I've to sew primarily? That's something I'm working on on the side. So right now I'm working on um, one of our blouse patterns. We call it the, the camp shirt. It's just an open collar button down blouse. And I decided I wanted one in black silk because I go to a lot of evening events and it just seemed like something that would be nice to have. So I'm working on that. And I'm, I've been sketching up ideas. I've just this year started taking tango dancing classes and tango apparel is very specific. Like there's a very particular look to it, which I don't always like, but I have an idea for a dress that I want to make. So that's next on my list. I'm really excited about trying something a little different, open back. Yeah. It should be really interesting. Very cool. Yeah. So how about, gifts do you sew for other people and uh, if if and when you do are there any times that might be particularly memorable or special to you in some way of course of course yeah funny because my daughter and I were talking just the other day and she was saying that much as I loved when my mom sewed for me she's not interested in having me sew for her so I used to sew for her a lot but now I think she would rather just go to the store and pick something up which is fine that's perfectly fine maybe she'll change her mind Someday I'd love to make a wedding dress for her. So oh, no expectations, yeah. but we will see. So maybe I'll make one for myself too. Who knows? She's 17, <laughs> right? So let's say maybe 10 years yeah. from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not in a hurry. Yeah, we're 10, not in 15 a hurry. years. I know, my daughters are 20 and 21. So I'm like, yeah, there you go. You yeah, yeah, marriage, we can, that, that's at least 10 more years. Push it down the road a little. <laughs> <laughs> um, I recently made a shirt for a man I've been dating because I've been divorced now for a few years and, and um, he's a musician and needed some clothes that he was having a hard time finding just the right clothes to perform in. So I, I did that for him. And um, probably the most memorable sewing that I've done was when my daughter was much younger, I did a lot. I think I did one year of Christmas where I made gifts for everyone in the family and nearly killed myself in the process because I had a big family. but. I had some really fun projects. Like I, re- I remember one in particular that my nephew was really into cats and he had this idea for this like superhero cat. And I took this t-shirt and sewed like Velcro polka dots onto it and then made him a cat that had elastic arms and legs with Velcro <laughs> on the ends, like on the hands and the feet right? so that he could reposition the oh, cat onto his chest. That was a fun year. I had a lot of fun just oh, making cool. really creative things. But, and did he, yeah, did, was, did he, did he enjoy that? Was he, he like, it. this is he the loved it. best thing I've ever received. Absolutely. Absolutely. That. He loved it. <laughs> that is so cool. So when you're sewing in your sewing room, what, what are some things that you just, have to have like if I don't have my X, I can't be in this room actually mm-hmm, creating mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. tools, notions, those kinds of things. What are the yeah. what are your favorite things? I'm a minimalist when it comes to cooking, when it comes to sewing. I don't use a lot of gadgets. I don't have a lot of stuff in my kitchen or in my sewing room. But I I mean obviously a good iron that puts out a lot of steam is one of my very I probably spend as much time in front of the iron as I do in front of the sewing machine. So mm-hmm. that um, I have too many sewing scissors. If anything, if I have too many of anything, it's probably sewing scissors because I'm particular about different scissors for different purposes. Okay. I have a little, it's, it's actually, I think it's actually a, a sleeve board. It's if you're ironing, um, sleeves, mm-hmm. and it's like a mini ironing board. Yeah. Basically. I use that more than I use the regular ironing board because you can just slip your, your seam right onto that and just iron what you need. So nice. I love that. 
And I also love the, the point presser clapper. It's a wooden tool that allows you, like if you're doing a, a collar, a pointed collar, it allows you to get right into that collar and press that perfectly. So those would probably be my main ones. Marking pens and chalk. I'm kind of a stickler for like, I have a variety of those that are super, super important. Oh, and um, the clear ruler. I like the, the uh, big ones, like the yes. closer clear rulers. And also the little six by one inch, the ones that allow you to, you know, mark your seam allowances and things right. like that. So those are the ones that I probably use the most. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not a big gadget girl. And that's Sorry. interesting. Yeah. That's, that's uh, you know, there's so, so many consumers in this market, our listeners out there, uh, are fabric and, you know, they have their fabric stash and their thread yeah. collections and, you know, tools and gadgets are such a big part of it. So that's interesting. Yeah. That's well, interesting that I you're think part of it too is that I, I live in a very small, you know, when I lived in New York, I was in a very small apartment and here in Madrid, I'm also in a very small apartment. So I don't have a lot of space. And I really, yeah. I think as a result of moving and, you know, living abroad, I've, I've also just sort of decided that I want to downsize my life as much mm. as I can. So I'm, I'm busy getting rid of things rather than accumulating. So that's kind of my attitude about a lot. Yeah. 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 I, that's surprising how you, what you don't need when it comes down to it, you know? Yes. I am understanding that more and more <laughs> right this minute, actually. My, my, my wife and I just sold our home. We, we, of course, we live in the South. We live uh, North of Atlanta and uh are from louisiana but uh we we've lived in a in a, a larger home and are literally uh -huh. just sold our home and are moving into a camper uh, <laughs> uh, for about the next year while we uh build a new home on some acreage wow. so yeah so that's like yeah you got to get rid of a lot of stuff you don't yeah, realize yeah. we've been married for 28 years and have oh, lived in yeah. this home for 18 years. So oh, uh, it's amazing what you're getting doing, rid of stuff is, yes. uh, yes. it's a, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse, right? You know, you're just it like, is. it feels good to free yourself of a lot of clutter and stuff. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of painful decisions that have to be made oh, too. No like, doubt. Ah, can I really get rid of this? But right. you know, well, that, that, right. that, I can see though how that may have driven your minimalist uh, viewpoint, the li living in a small apartment. Yeah. 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 So we're, we're about to learn what that feels like. So oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'll, oh, I'll good report luck. back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would love to hear actually. I'd love to hear how it goes. I guess I've just really taken the attitude that if I'm going to accumulate something, um, I want it to serve more than one purpose. So it has to make, it has to really justify itself before yeah. I'm going to bring it in. And my kitchen is the same way. You know, there's just a lot of things that I just don't feel like I need and I do fine without it. So yeah, yeah I just, you know, I will, if it's something that I, that I see a need for, absolutely. I will get it. But in general, I just find that I don't need. That That's much. cool. I yeah. told my wife <laughs> and girls, uh, Many years ago that I would prefer to accumulate experiences and memories yes. Yes. more than stuff. Absolutely. Right? Like stuff, you know, everybody likes stuff. Of course we do. We like to have nice things, but uh, yeah. when it comes down to it. I'd much rather have special memories and things that I know when I'm, when I'm, totally when I'm laying there on my deathbed, you know, I'll be thinking about that stuff and not my 
car. Totally agree. Couch totally or, agree. you know, whatever. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I totally agree. I'm going to a Rolling Cones, this a Rolling Stones concert tonight. I'm so excited. What? That's the kind of experience I want to have right now. The Rolling Stones are playing in Madrid tonight. Can you believe what? it? I'm so excited. How yeah. cool is that? Yeah. So that's the kind of experience I want to have. I don't there you need go. To I love it. Well, have fun yeah. with that. Thank you. <laughs> so, so I know, obviously, in your life, sewing has provided you with a lot of opportunities and, and it sounds like it your life in a lot of ways, but um, are there, are there any particular people? And I, and I asked this on, on all of my interviews because it seems like there, in, in a lot of cases, this has happened, but are there any sewists or makers that known or unknown um, have helped you in some way along your journey? Are that are particularly meaningful to you, people that have inspired you or helped you in some way? And if so, who oh, are Oh, my goodness. People? Oh, so many people. <laughs> Where do I begin? I mean, Denise Schmidt is just an incredible inspiration, I think, to, to so many people. I just adore her. I just think she's such an individual. She's so creative, so inspiring. She, to me, is just amazing. I just love to watch what she does. And I just think her aesthetic is so unique and, and special that I just really admire what she's done in her work and with her business. And yeah, she is just incredible to me. Within the apparel sewing industry, I mean, my goodness, where do you start? You know, Nancy mm. Zeman was, she was just an inspiration, wasn't she? You know, yeah. she um, reached so many people and just was such a, an amazing calm presence in this industry. Yeah, I, I miss her a lot. She was really something. Um, and there's that's the one we hear uh, almost on every single uh, episode imagine. so far. Uh, I can imagine. Yeah, she's such yeah, an yeah. icon. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean I could I could go on, but I, I think those would probably be the two people who really have have influenced me the most in this industry. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So is there something that you've wanted to sew but haven't or some technique or other sewing related discipline that you haven't tried that's kind of like on your sewing bucket list, if you will, um, that you'd like to do and just haven't gotten around to it? Quilting, embroidery, I mean, what some of the other things besides garment sewing? I mean, I love all of that. I wish I had time to knit because I adore knitting and it just has gone by the wayside. I um I inherited a loom from my grandmother mm. and someday I would love to have time to just like the art of weaving I just think would be so fantastic. I, I have a few things that my grandmother made that just uh, the the opportunities um within the weaving structure are just amazing to me. And I would mm. love someday, you know, when I'm old and don't have to work anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to sit in front of a loom all day. I'm really, I'm, I'm really curious about that. Um, and then this, this past, uh, I think it was December, I took a class on, um, what's it called? It's the, um, the petite men, um, uh, the, the little hands of the, of the couture um, houses in, in France have this very particular method that they use of, for embroidery with mm. a special little hook and I took a class on that and I really want to explore that as well. I'm just super curious about this is a, it. a special form of hand embroidery. Yeah. It's not like with a needle and thread. It's actually more like, it's almost like a 
crochet hook. It's like a very, very fine hook. And you can either work top down so that you're, um, so you're, you're actually looking at the back of the fabric and embroidering the front of the fabric that you can't see underneath your embroidery hoop. Um, or you can reverse it so you can actually see what's going on. But the, the opportunity for adding texture to, to mm. fabric, I mean, this is what Chanel does, you know, they, they have their petite man, um, they're creating fabrics, essentially, they're taking just a tool or a, a chiffon or something, and then they're doing, they're adding all of this texture and embroidery on top of it. And so they're creating the fabrics. And to me, this is fascinating. I mean, there's yeah. so many different directions that you could take this. So again, when I'm retired and have all the time on my hands, this is what I'm doing. I've got plans. I've got something plans. to look forward to. <laughs> Always got to have something to look forward to. Absolutely. <laughs> so how about when you're not sewing, when uh, you have an opportunity to do something else, what might we find you doing? What kind of hobbies, activities does Liesl enjoy uh, outside the sewing room? Well, there's the tango dancing, which has been super, super fun and takes an extraordinary amount of time because it's really difficult to learn. So I'm spending, I'm going to class one day a week and then I'm going to a milonga, uh, which is the social dancing at least one day a week. And wow. I feel like an idiot there. I just <laughs> feel like such a klutzy, I feel like these poor men drag me around the floor and just sort of roll their eyes, but I'm loving it. It's really fun. And I'm, I'm meeting a really fascinating community there. So I really enjoy that. Um, I do a lot of running, a lot of yoga. I just really like, I find that for my mental health, especially now that I live alone and work alone at home, I just really need that exercise. So I spend a lot of time with that. I love to read. I really love to read. And I mean, I'm here in Europe. I'm going to travel as much as I can, you know, yeah. so I'm just really loving that as well. So, cool. yeah. Does your yeah, daughter yeah. get, does your daughter get to travel with you? She does, although she's, it's, um second to last year of high school and so you know the pressure right now for getting the grades and doing the college applications because she wants to go to school back in the states um so she's pretty bogged down right now but we do travel as much as we can we were in paris um just before christmas and then i'm taking her back to new york this summer and yeah we try to do as much as we can what a great experience for her to it get to is. live abroad. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. She goes to a school now where she's she's in a bilingual program. So she, her classes are in, in French and in Spanish. And so wow. she will come out of this experience trilingual. And just, I, boy, would I have loved that. No doubt. Yeah, it's so <laughs> yeah. much easier to learn another language no when you're younger question. as well. And it just gives you a different perspective on the world. So, yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. How neat is that? <laughs> well, I always... I, I, you touched on this earlier, um, but I always end the podcast with this particular question, and um, I, I think I know what, you, what you'll say, but I, I've always said um, as an industry that we're not really selling thread and needles, and, <laughs> you know, fabric and scissors and whatnot, but but what we're really selling and, and what we you know, could make a fortune on if we could put in a bottle is this certain feeling of accomomplishment of satisfaction oh, oh, yes. that comes with creating. And mm -hmm. so I, I just, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure you believe that, but do you believe that? And oh, how definitely. Has that feeling sort of, you know, manifested itself in your own journey. How has that driven you to do what you do? Uh, 
Oof. I mean, when people ask me what I do, I generally say that I'm a teacher, you know, I mean, yes, I'm a pattern designer, you know, I spend a ton of time, I'm a technical writer, I'm an illustrator, you know, all of that, but I really consider myself more than anything to be a teacher, because I, my thinking is that I want to show you how to do, you know, what I went to school to do. I want, I want you to have the ability and to have that creative outlet. That for me is just the crucial part that, you know, I think everyone can be creative. And so my philosophy is that I just want to enable other people to be as creative as they can. So if that's what I can bring to the table, then that's, that's what I'll do. Yeah. Well, I love that. And it's such a, uh, uh, a common theme amongst the sewing world and the people that oh, I've, uh, that. I've talked to that, you know, I, I think the people that have been successful as, as you have been in this industry um, understand that, right? Yeah, yeah. They understand that they want people, if this is going to be your hobby, if this is the thing that you love to do, um, you need to be successful at it and uh, helping people be successful at it ought to be at the top of all of our list. Right. So that Absolutely. people feel good about what they've created and want to share it with other people, yeah. whether yeah. by giving them gifts or uh, just being in community with them while they do this thing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all of that is agree. so important to it. And I, I think what agree. really it is about in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other part of that is also trying to inspire each other. You know, I get ideas from our customers. I try to give ideas to them as well. And so I share, you know, on our Instagram, I share a lot about um, my life here in Madrid because, because, you know, maybe you get some ideas from it. Maybe, maybe it's just, if you can't travel, maybe it's just helpful to kind of step out of your own little world for a while and, and see, you know, someone else's life. And I love that when people do that uh, for me as well. So yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's all part of it's all one big community, isn't it? Ultimately, for sure. Yeah. Well, well, Lisa, it was awesome talking to you, and um, I so appreciate you taking time out and being with us on the podcast today. So, thank you for that. Well, thank you so much for your interest. My gosh, this has been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm again. I, I know that some of our customers probably know you and and how to find you, but. Um, just so they can learn more about you, learn about your patterns and, and uh, all of the things that you do. I know you've got some videos and, and other mm-hmm. things out there to help them. Um, would Is the best place to go leaselandco.com? So L-I-E-S-L or is yeah, there another uh, better place? Really, I would say that the best website to find us is actually oliverandes.com, which okay. is our children's line. But all of all of our lines are together in that one under that one roof. So oliverandes.com okay. is probably so, the best place to look. Fantastic. So uh, for all of you listening out there, make sure to visit oliverandes.com and learn more about Liesl, her patterns for both children and adults. And from there, I'm sure you can find all of her social media and connect Definitely. with her and learn about her. Fantastic journey in Madrid and all over Spain. I'm so jealous. Uh, (laughs) Again, uh, Liesl, it's fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much. And hopefully uh, down the road, maybe we can uh, meet in person sometime. You let me know when you get here for sure. All right. Awesome. Well, we'll we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Why So With Sulky. 
give us a rating or a review and be sure to shop your favorite Sulky products, including threads, stabilizers, kits, and more at sulky.com. <laughs>